stars will always shine, the birds will always sing. Wherever there is thirst, there's always the real thing. Coca-Cola Classic is always a one. Wow. Uh, yeah, wherever there is fun, there's always Coca-Cola. <laughs> Dude, I love Man, that's the thing. I love TV. I still love TV, man. I always hang out with the boy. And last night, man, we were just watching cartoons. It was glorious. I love watching cartoons with a two-and-a-half-year-old, man. It's the that's, that's pure happiness right there. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like there's nothing else going on in that kid's head, and I'm sitting here, you know, worried about phone calls I'm making tomorrow <laughs> and emails that I need to respond to and all this other kind of stuff, and none of that shit matters. I mean, this kid's just loving it, sucking the life in. From El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, the only one-to-one, 100% cookie-free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight from the Bull podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the 16th episode of the eltoro.com podcast. I'm David Stadler here with my co-host Austin Whiteley DJ Oz. <laughs> and today uh, we have a very special guest. Um, honestly, he might be a local legend here in I'm the number Louisville 16 area. apparently, so <laughs> <laughs> number 15. Number 15. It's the 15. This, he's Louisville royalty. Yeah, you, you I mean, people have stories about you and and sort of the atmosphere surrounding your store. So, I mean, I feel like I know you, but it's more along the lines of knowing you through lore. Um, right, yeah. Here in the local community. The lore is much better than the truth. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, for for our listeners out there who might not be from Louisville, um, you might know music, but John Timmons is a man that has forgotten more about music and musicians <laughs> than most people could ever hope to know. John is a musician. John is the former proprietor of internationally acclaimed record store Ear Ecstasy. John is co-founder of the Louisville Independent Business Alliance and the Keep Louisville Weird campaign. John has sat on the board of the Coalition of Independent Music Stores, the American Music Association, the Association for Independent Music, and Louisville Underground Music Archive. I'm sure I probably missed a couple in there. You do a lot of um, shit. Yeah, that, sounds, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Very good. I'm impressed. Well, I mean, and we wanted to have you on here, um, one, uh, for, for the reasons we kind of mentioned earlier, but, mm-hmm. you know, to understand a, a moment in history, you got to relate to how an enclave of that culture viewed the events of the era. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that music is a wickedly effective filter to facilitate this process. And for decades, John repeatedly used music to provide a peek into various aspects of our history to those around him. And, and honestly, we, we thank you for that. Um, you know, I think that's, um, it's a testament to the business that you had built. It's a testament to the culture that you fostered here in the Louisville community. So we really appreciate it. Well, I thank you for saying that. I appreciate all the folks that supported the store for the 26 years that it was around. It's the those folks and the staff, the hundreds of people that worked at that store throughout the years that really made it what it was. So anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Your your uh, your wife actually wrote that uh, that bio for us. So. <laughs> I don't think so. uh, we thought that was very kind. Yeah, <laughs> she that was very kind. She wanted to include a lot of cuss words in it. But <laughs> like, yeah, we're like we got to cut those yeah. out, and we can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> I'm not going to offend the dude when he comes onto our show. Um, it, you know, obviously this is the eltoro.com podcast. El Toro, we've got a very um, expansive uh, bourbon collection here in the office. Pretty and amazing. It really is amazing. Thank you. Thank it's, you. Yeah, it's uh, every. Um, 
if you're going to have, you know, a habit or something like that, you might as well go overboard go with all the it. Way. And, go you know, all the we, way. We couldn't stop when we started building the collection. Yeah. Uh, but today, we're drinking on one of my favorites. Uh, this is Knob Creek, a uh, small batch. And if you've listened to our previous podcast, we had Andy Hunefeld on here uh, from Sour Mash Tours a couple of weeks back. And when it's something says small batch, you know it's all bullshit. So this is just the stuff that they make. Uh, Knob Creek comes out of the barrel, and it's cut down with water, and they produce a 100-proof bottle. Um, so it's a little bit warmer than some of the stuff that we um, drink here on the show often. Um, but I'm trying to get a nose for it right now. It's been sitting here in, unfortunately, a plastic cup uh, for the past couple of minutes. So there is an essence of petroleum byproduct in there, so mm -hmm. that's kind of nice. Ooh. It doesn't affect anything, I'm sure. I, you smell the oak in these things, and... I think it's melting your plastic cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh, well, it's just on the laptop. <laughs> that's why my pants are wet. <laughs> that's okay. Um, you know, I, I smell the corn in here. I smell a little bit of sweetness, maybe a little bit of syrup, a little bit of oak on the front side. I taste it, and... I think it's a little bit corn forward. I don't know anything about this mash bill. Uh, it's a little bit warmer than a lot of the stuff I drink. I tend to cut this down with water, but once again, it's an oldie but a goodie. And for thirty bucks a bottle or sub thirty bucks a bottle, you can't beat this. Plus, you can find it by the handle, man. I dig it. It's one of those things where they were just running short on a couple of batches. So I just mix it. Just mix that one with this yeah, one. It's yeah. good to go. You know, Dave Stadler appreciates value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he knows a bargain when he sees one. Mm -hmm. So. John, yeah. you're pretty well known for ear ecstasy. And yeah. what's what's that? What's that exactly? What, what, what? Well it was it was a record store that still is existed from nineteen eighty five until I think two thousand eleven. So it's about seven years since I closed the store. So yeah, and you know, I was I, you would say I was known for this mostly known for the store. I was kind of the ear ecstasy guy. And it pretty much became my life for, you know, its entire life. Um, and I was, like I said, I was the Ear Ecstasy guy. I'd introduced myself as John from Ear Ecstasy. It's like I didn't have a last name. So the store was a big part of who I was. Mm -hmm. And the difficult thing about that was when the store closed, it's like, okay, well, who am I now? <laughs> that has to be tough. Yeah, it was really tough. It was really tough. I remember it fondly. Um, That's good. It's what we want. You know, this was the most prominent record store that was likely in the history of Louisville here. And we were talking about this just before the show. At the height, I, I would assume this is the height of, the, you know, the store. I remember it from the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So that's when I moved to Louisville. And you guys dominated that entire block there in the Highlands. Yeah. And this is before, you know, the foodie rush kind of started in Louisville. Yeah. This is before yeah. Bardstown Road was really cleaned up a bunch. This is before kind of Louisville became more of a tourist destination. Right. And you hit that one, you know, from Eastern Parkway on down to... Gosh, Bonnie no. Castle, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Ear Ecstasy dominated. People were either walking to Ear Ecstasy, they were walking from Ear Ecstasy, or they were loitering about outside your <laughs> yeah. ecstasy. So just to kind There's of there's a lot of that going on. To paint a picture of the masses, this gentleman control. <laughs> well, there was no control on my part. It was just we happened to be there, and that was just a. Uh, it was a gathering place for people. It was more than a record store. It was where people got together. It was a gathering of community. 
Well, I mean, it, as noted by a lot of the activities you guys had surrounding, yeah, you know, not just that retail business, but you guys were written up, and I'm sure I don't have the entire list here. I hope you like actually framed a lot of these as they came out. When they came out, I, I, you know, I saved them and documented them or whatever, and we hung some things up. But I mean, you know, we were we were mentioned in all the music magazines, all the trade magazines. Um, we made it into Travel and Leisure. We made it into Playboy. <laughs> we made it into GQ, um, for whatever reasons. But you know, it just it was it was amazing. It was just a record store. Was it one of those things like if you talked about it while it was going on? It wasn't as cool. Like it's just something like if somebody's pitching a no hitter or something, you just don't talk about it. Yeah. I, I just never, I never saw the store like you guys would have seen the store. As an owner, it's totally different. I saw what was missing, what was wrong, how it could be better. And it wasn't until the store went away that I really realized what people saw in it. Oh man! Yeah, that's 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 the really sad part. Yeah, about that's it. a little depressing. Yeah, well, yeah. Because in high school, that was the like, what are you going to do this week? I guess you'll go walk down Barchtown Road. Yeah, you know, stop by Air yeah. Ecstasy. My, well, my buy a CD. Yeah, might buy, might <laughs> steal one. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I but was I always not a part of that. <laughs> I always wanted I always wanted the store to be the kind of store that I would want to shop in. So before I started my store, I worked in other record stores straight out of high school. And through while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for a career through college, <laughs> so the record store was always there. And working for other other stores, I saw what was what I thought was good, and I definitely saw things not to do. So Ear Ecstasy was kind of a a gathering of all the the great things I saw in other stores, um, not necessarily the ones I worked in too, but uh, other stores I saw. Just like okay, this is cool. Why don't we do this? But it was never quite. It never felt like it was good enough as as the owner. I always wanted it to be better, and uh, I I think it was I think it was a really good store. I mean, I mean, as noted by the fact that your guerrilla marketing technique <laughs> it's called no budget is is still <laughs> uh, is still you know littered about town. And I don't want yeah. to say that in a derogatory sense. No, no, like no, no, dropping litter, no. But I mean, they've decorated the city. Yeah, and I still have people asking me for you know shirts and stickers, the bumper sticker and all that. So I've, I've I've put it off from you know making any more shirts or making any more stickers just because a it kind of takes away from the uh, I don't know the coolness factor of it. You start mm -hmm, you bring sure. it back you bring it back up, um, but yeah. I have so many people asking. It's like man, maybe I should do it now. It's been seven years. Wait about fifteen, yeah, and then, then, then. start printing a bunch of shirts when they're for sale on eBay <laughs> yeah. for like a hundred. Oh, we got we got we got vintage. Yeah, vintage. we got we yeah. got folks. Uh, uh, doing bootleg stuff, so I'm trying to put a stop to Ooh. that. So. You still own the trademark? Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Before we wait 15 years, I need to get a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I need to make <laughs> well, this happen now. If, if you wear extra large, I've got, uh, you know, about 50 of them different oh, sizes. Oh, well, Thanksgiving is coming up, so. That, that could be your night shirt, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> My nighty. yeah. The downside yeah. is they're all mine and they're previously worn, so. Oh, yeah, they're I'll wash them. I'll wash them first. <laughs> oh, don't. Yeah. I'll put it on eBay. But yeah, you had Rolling Stone, Playboy, Pace, Spin, GQ, Billboard. Uh, I mean, man, the list goes on and on. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you were obviously doing something right. And we, we were talking about this earlier. I The first time I walked into Ear Ecstasy, you guys were on that, the, I, I guess, your biggest location? Yeah, the uh, uh, former Pier 1 import store. Okay. And 10,000 10, square feet. So that was the largest store we had. 
Fantastic. Yeah, I, I remembered. I, I immediately thought about Empire Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah. movie, yeah. Empire Records. Yeah, the employees dancing on the counters and stuff. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Empire Records. So, but, <laughs> before we go further, what what is the best record store movie? Is it Empire Records? Is it High Fidelity? Is it's there... High Fidelity for me, just because oh, that's, yeah. that's that nails it. Yeah, that was mine. That yeah. that was it, and you know the characters in that film. I, I had those folks work for me. And it was amazing that, you know, Jack Black was, you know, one of the record store characters, you know, the, mm-hmm. the guy you totally would not want on your staff. But, uh, you know, it was great when Tenacious D came and did an in-store. So I Jack, didn't know they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. That so it was a, great to have him in the store. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want him as an employee. You don't, you don't need the wild cards? You were, <laughs> no. Who would you rather have? Would you have, rather have the wild card or the music snob? Who shuns people away for their music taste? Um, I, I definitely did not want the the music snob. I think a lot of there were some people that came in and thought we had that, but then there were a lot of people that knew that we had people on staff that knew their stuff and were there to recommend things and turn people onto onto music. So that's what we were shooting for. Was that a large part? Do you think of the mystique about it and the success? Was that customer experience to where when somebody didn't know what they wanted? Absolutely, absolutely. That, and that's why we had so many listening stations throughout the store, just so people could sample, you know, 150, 200 different things. Yeah, you guys had that before. It was even a popular thing where you could actually, I mean, nowadays you can just stream everything it, on exactly, your phone. But exactly. Like, that's why we're not around. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons, one of many reasons. But, yeah, no, that was that was the whole point. It was, it was just to, you know, turn people on to music, no matter what the genre, whatever they were into. You know, we try to have it there for them, you know, and a lot of the commercial popular stuff. I got I got a lot of grief about that. Um, you know, the store started off as a really small, tiny space, about 500 square feet, and was basically just selling music that I liked. It was very niche-oriented. It was, um, and when we I started the store, it was, I called it Louisville's Alternative Record Store because we were, I was only carrying things you couldn't find anywhere else, a lot of imports and just stuff that was so under the radar. But as the store grew, I just realized that, you know, there's so many music lovers out there and they're not being taken care of. So why not, why not expand to try to take care of everybody? This is before Amazon, by the way. Amazon didn't help us. So, um, so we were trying to carry as much of everything as we possibly could. And that's why we, over the years we grew from 500 square feet to 10,000 square feet. How many dollars in inventory did you guys hold an estimate? Got it. I think at, at one point we were we were close to a million dollars, if not a little bit over. Good yeah. lord. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money for a record store. Yeah, CDs, CDs cost like a penny. And, and you were the you were the sole owner of this <laughs> yeah. establishment. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean that that's a lot to float, man. Yeah, that is that is. So I mean, we talk about entrepreneurship a lot on the podcast. Yeah. And and you started the business in the eighties without the benefit <laughs> of internet reach. Without the benefit of a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> ah, who needs a business plan? Started this store with uh, my record collection and a $500 cash advance on a Master Charge card. It wasn't Master. It was a yeah, Master Charge. Wow. That was my limit, my credit limit. An $500. interest rate of 57 $500 back in 85, though. That was a significant <laughs> well, change. I would suggest that you don't do that <laughs> to start your business. <laughs> Part of the fact of not having any any formal business training, just, you know, working for other people, not knowing you, you can't really do this didn't stop me. So um, I just went ahead and, and did it. 
But I mean, if you got a dream, I mean, mm -hmm. come on. Yeah, the, the the business plan and the dream was to stay in business one more day. All right. That was it. One <laughs> but day at a time. You were doing, and you were doing a lot of like mail orders at the time. Yeah. From what I read. Yeah, I was doing uh, selling selling before I opened the store. I was selling records out of my apartment in Old Louisville. And I got tired of people coming over at midnight, you know, <laughs> wanting to buy records, which was kind of cool. But it's just like I gotta, I gotta have a life, and I gotta have a store. So that's when I opened the store. But yeah, I was selling records um, via the mail. You know, there was no internet. Um, you were Columbia House before Columbia House existed. I, yeah, yeah. So, no, Columbia House was around. I took advantage of them as a kid many times. But very good. Um, you can get ten CDs for a penny. For a penny. For yeah. a penny. Yeah, then you can resell them for you know. Six bucks. <laughs> Is that how you built your record collection? No, but that that did factor into. Uh, um, it's it's an area that I can't really talk to because of a lawsuit that I was involved in, and uh, you notice that the record companies are no longer around. Mm -hmm. so, but mm -hmm. I can't I can't tell you much more than that. But um, statute of limitations. No, or? we were we took advantage of the situation that they were selling uh, they were selling music well below wholesale prices. It was cheaper to buy from them than to buy from the manufacturer. Go figure how that worked out. They had licensing mm -hmm. deals that were just incredibly stupid. So we took that and used it to our advantage for a while until you know we got into some legal wranglings over that. But we got that we got that taken care of. But, hey, uh, arbitrage, the purest form of entrepreneurship. <laughs> really? So, nice. Hey, my compliments <laughs> to you. Yeah. But if, if if our listeners aren't familiar with the uh, the pricing and the music distribution of the '80s and '90s, take a look. Some wacky stuff right there. For oh real. yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you get the word out? How did people know? You know, and I don't know where you were mailing your records to. I was, um, before the store, um, I had worked for, um, before I opened uh, my store, I had worked for a, a record store in Evansville, Indiana, which is my hometown. It was called Karma Records, and they were based in Indianapolis, and they had um, they had a number of stores, Indianapolis, Bloomington, uh, some other cities in Indy. They had a record store here in Kentucky. So I worked for them in Evansville. And then left left that store to try to finish up my college out in Arizona. Hated school, kept in contact with the owners of the, the company, and they said they had a store in Louisville that needed some help. Basically, needed to come in and you know clean house and start over. So I'd never been to Louisville. I took the job, and it was at Bardstown and Bonnie Castle, which is now Cafe Three Sixty or whatever yeah. it's called. So I worked there for a while. And then jumped ship and worked for a, a, a local record store chain called Vine Records. They had eight stores at the time. This is all before your time, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> after, okay. after working for it, this is one of the advantages of being a dinosaur, as my niece told me the other day. Um, <laughs> um, after, mouths of after working for uh, Vine Records for a few years, I went to work for another locally owned two-store chain called Phoenix Records. So when they went out of business... I was without a job, and so I started selling records out of my apartment and out of my van and traveling around the country every weekend doing two different record collector shows every weekend. So I would get, I would get names from a mailing list from folks that were buying from me and then come home, type out on the typewriter, the same one that typed the uh, Your Ecstasy logo, Type a catalog every month of record titles that I had, which were probably gone by the time I typed them, got printed the catalog and mailed them out. But um, so I was doing I was doing mail order business every day, and then on weekends was uh, 
hitting a, a couple of different collector shows around the Midwest, sometimes the East Coast. So you typed out your own catalog. I typed it out, and I type with two fingers, one on each hand. <laughs> Marty does that. Still to this day. Flames still, coming still off that typewriter. Day. Yep. I, uh, my best friend in high school took a typing class, and I laughed at him so hard. It's like, You're, why do you want to take a typing class? You it's nerd. Like, I wish I would. That's the one thing I wish I had done in high school, paid attention and taken a typing class. But anyway, yeah, I typed out the uh, catalogs. I folded the catalogs. You know, address them, mail them, ship the orders. It was a one-person one person operation. Yeah. Very cool. Very I mean, cool. it started out like that, though. I mean, this guy selling stuff out of his van. Giving F and J on the keyboard, hell. Out of, out, <laughs> out of necessity. But, you know, that's it, it worked. I mean, I did that for a couple of years before the store opened. But the first five years the store was open, I had to continue to do that to keep the store going, to... Um, keep the doors open because we were not making enough money to uh, from the store to keep that open. I mean, that's the thing, though. If you love something, you just do it. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about a degree or, or this or course in this or training right. that. Just do it. And, I mean, you grew it so large that uh, Clive Davis during uh, some type of music presentation or You're good, man. You did your homework. Oh, I Googled the shit out of you, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. I, I use all seven fingers on each hand to, yeah, to, when, to Google when, you. When Clive Davis mentioned us at a national convention just out of nowhere. The president of Columbia Records. Columbia Huge. Records. Big time. Yeah. 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 Did you um, think, surprisingly I made it. still alive. I was like, I was like, okay, just shoot me now. <laughs> it's, um, it's only down from here. That's, yeah, the same, that was the same feeling when Dave Grohl Gave us a shout out at uh, Freedom Hall one night oh, after, after playing the store. It was just like, oh man, this is just like the end to a perfect day. Yeah. Do you, you want to list, like, say your top five? That I know you probably hate lists by now because everybody asks you this question. I have to ask you. That's I mean, yeah, the high fidelity thing. I hate lists. <laughs> 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 movie's all about lists. You know? Hey, BuzzFeed articles, they're all lists. It's all yeah. lists. That's yeah. true. Clickbait. That's true. I need your so, top five performers in store. Okay, so okay. just to set the stage here, before we go any farther, because we've got to let our listeners know what's going on, there was a stage inside of Ear Ecstasy, yeah. and there would be a ton of live performances going on throughout the course of the year. Um, and he had a variety of massive names that came through. Like so go. Fire capacity at like 700, and I think like 900 no, we had show up. the fire marshal after um, after the My Morning Jacket in store came in and said the capacity at that store was maybe 125. <laughs> what? Yeah, and we had had we'd had over 800 people in there a couple of times. Yeah, um, I was one of those. So, pro absolutely, my my favorite in store was uh, with the Foo Fighters. It was Dave Grohl's idea. He had shopped the store before. I think it was when they when Nirvana was in town. And he was aware of the store, and it happened to be they were coming to town to open up for Red Hot Chili Peppers at Freedom Hall. Oh, what a show. So oh, it was 4th of July. It was Independence Day, and Dave said, let's play an independent record store on Independence Day. So he, that whole thing was set up, and um, it couldn't have been better. I mean, those guys were great to work with. They were actually early for the performance, wanted to get on stage before they were <laughs> scheduled to. They were ready to do it. They were just great to work with. And then that night at, at, the, uh, at the show um, at Freedom Hall, Dave just, you know, gave us a, a huge shout-out. Um, what a nice guy. It's like he's, he's exactly what you would think he, you would hope he would be. 
you know. He's everywhere nowadays, but back then it was just like, you know, they were just kind of taken off at that point. That was that was my favorite in store. Um, my Morning Jacket album release show for Evil Urges. That was another one where we had, you know, six, seven hundred people in the store and a few hundred people outside. Now, Jim James has said that my morning jacket would not exist if not for ear ecstasy. Did he say that? I read that today. Okay. Um, so wow. I, you know, hopefully that's true. Um, I'm I'm sure it is. I mean, if, it's on the internet. Uh, <laughs> it's it's got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'll put that on Wikipedia. I, I think you should. Uh, but I mean, I, how do you how do you account for some of this? The success that you you were most definitely a part of. Um, it's 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 amazing. You know, it's just obviously. There are a lot of people that, that are passionate about music. Um, that's that's one reason that I continue to do what I was doing, is because that's it's what I love to do. Um, but the, you know, to hear that from somebody like Jim is that's that's pretty awesome. But you know, it's the people that shop there every day that made that store what it what it is. And yeah. I still hear almost on a daily basis, you know, people talk about a memory they have about the store or the fact they miss the store. Or are you going to, since vinyl's making a comeback, are you going to open another store? And the answer is, hell no. Oh, no. i got to scratch that question off. Yeah, yeah, scratch that one off. <laughs> the, store, the, store, the store could never be... i footsie with you, man. Yeah, Don't worry the about store it. Could never, it could never be as, as good as what it was at its height. So why, why, why do it? It would just be a disappointment. If it's not perfect, then don't try. Yeah, that's what I mean, I'm hearing, the story, John. Yeah, the store the store was not perfect, but I I don't think we could ever approach that again just because of the staff that we, that we had. It's kind of like the reunion tour that shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it should not happen. Right, yeah. there will not be a reunion show for for Ear Ecstasy. Just leave it, leave it where where it is in people's people's memory and in the history. You know, for as long as that's gonna gonna last you know we're only gonna become more fond of it as time distance <laughs> as we like distance no because you you're gonna get older and, and you know younger folks are not gonna know anything about that store they're gonna hear about it and they're gonna go why would you go to a store to buy music <laughs> well yeah our kids are never gonna realize you know saving your allowance for no, a month no. and then having your mom drop you off as she's going to do her grocery shopping at the strip mall and sitting there thumbing through CDs yeah. uh, for God's and, sake I mean hell I haven't bought a CD since Hell, your story existed. Yeah. So. And actually, you know... It, it, You're part of the problem, Stan. <laughs> You're part just, of the problem. Well, I mean, it's only because your ecstasy doesn't exist right, why right, I have right. CDs. There are just so many things that, that are gone and won't exist again. Back in the day, we had a, a, what was known as a street date, a release date for records. Mm -hmm. You know, and you couldn't sell records before... You couldn't sell that record before, you know, Tuesday morning. And we used to do a lot of midnight sales for big, big releases. You know, people would line up at the door at midnight on a Monday to buy the new Two Guns and Roses record that were coming out at the same, <laughs> the same day, you know, or the new U2 record back when that really mattered. I mean, we'd have, we'd have 100 to 200 people at the door at midnight on a Monday to buy a new release. That shit doesn't happen anymore. Unless you know, it's a video game. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> totally, totally, yeah, totally, totally different thing. But now, you know, release date's kind of a joke because artists are, are they're, they're putting out four singles before the record actually comes yeah. out. Just that, that mystique and that need to have it now thing is gone. You just, it, it's just kind of, you know, comes out slowly. It's just not a big deal anymore. You started in the 80s. Walk yeah. me through, you know, the 90s and 2000s as you're reaching that height of the store. How did you change your tactics? I mean, you're, you're sitting here 
you know, you're working very much in the business mm-hmm. in, from 85 to 90, I'm, I'm assuming here. I mean, you can correct yeah. my timeline if it's wrong or don't. Uh, you can just Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, check Wikipedia. It's, Wikipedia. All, it's wrong on that. <laughs> all the information's there. You know, your tactics are very much you're working in the business in the 80s and whatnot. How, do, do they change as you're moving through the 90s and 2000s? I mean, is this... How the hell do you get Nirvana, you know, coming through your record store? I mean, I realize they're very much in that scene, and they're yeah. going to seek something like that well, out. Well, the thing about the store was musicians knew about the store. You know, word got out there. So anytime, you know, a band was in town, if they had the time, they wanted to come by the store. And I was talking with uh, one of the owners of uh, Headliners Music Hall, and I was just like, he, he told me every time bands would come to town, it was like that was that was one thing they wanted to do is, you know, they got to do a sound check. They want to go to Ear Ecstasy. And it was nice to it was nice to see a lot of artists just pop in and you know you just let them shop and do their thing and let them go and just don't make a big deal out of it. But just to know that you know words out there that they they know something about the store. Do you um, ever do you ever get butterflies that you can admit like when this person showed up or this band showed up? Yeah, you're just real. giddy. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I narrow it down. Um, even folks that I knew. I mean, it was just yeah. It's just there was something about it. I'm, you know, still a big music fan, still a music geek, and still, you know, a fan. So I assume you have to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, people talk about your current show, um, you know, <laughs> with respect to how, how how good of a job you do with respect to, you know, selecting the music. Oh, yeah. That specific Playlists are on point. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's kind of like owning a record store. I don't know if it's that good. <laughs> it's like, it could be, a, could be a lot better. Yeah, but I appreciate that. It's it's yeah, that's a good gig. So we were talking about business through the eighties into the nineties yeah. and into two thousands. There was so much more work involved when the store was small. It sounds kind of weird, but just trying to figure out what people wanted to buy, what they were looking for, what to carry, you know, and how to do it. Um, to make it work here. And I was very fortunate in the fact that it was just, it was kind of like a perfect storm. There was a need for a store like Ear Ecstasy um, at the time. And there was kind of a music boom in my, in my mind, there was a music boom starting in the eighties. And I think I just kind of rode that, rode that wave. But over the years, while it was still enjoyable, it started to become more of a business it had to be because it was mm-hmm. growing. It was growing to be so big, well, you and you know, a million dollars. And yeah, and hell. somebody, you know, somebody that didn't have any formal business training, you know, you learn by your mistakes. And I made mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes. Yeah, lots. <laughs> hey, hey, reflection. It's part of it's yeah, part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> not regret. No. Reflection. No, it was good. But you know, we did we did learn. You know, and I finally brought on a uh, an accountant uh, who. A former employee who went to accounting school became a CPA, left and left the store and went to work, you know, auditing banks and stuff, and got totally burned out on that. So I brought him in full time as, you know, an in-house CPA. Sweet. I mean, business was that good where we could afford this guy. <laughs> um, that was another. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was good at the time it, as the as business was declining. It was like okay, we can't afford this guy anymore, oh, making more money than than I am, and you know. The last few years, the store was open. I was not making. I was not taking any money at all. Um, everything that was uh, that was made was going back into the store, and anything that I had in savings or you know retirement was going back into the store. So um, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, you got on this train of regret and you left yeah, the station. There we go. <laughs> you left the station and it's gone. All right. Well, I, I mean, let, let's let's twist it positive. Looking back to, mm-hmm. to help to help these others. I mean, you helped plenty of employees now turned. Uh, you know, Louisville music- musicians that are actually pretty popular, some mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. But 
what can you tell them to prevent them from making those same mistakes? You Don't know? open a record store. <laughs> <laughs> um, have a business. If you're going to do, if you're going to go into a business, have a plan. Um, and make sure that it's, you know, it's something that's, that's viable at the time. I mean, I was really fortunate. I, I, there's a lot of luck involved with Ear Ecstasy. Just the fact that, you know, we were at the right place at the right time and we grew it slowly. I look, I look at it like in five-year increments because that's, except for the first store, we were in the first location for six months. It was a temporary location. But every store, the, the, store, the two stores after that, were in place for five years before we moved to the the large store. When we were there, mm-hmm. sixteen years, I think, uh, fifteen years. And it was it was a, it was a slow it was a slow growth, and that was that was the important thing. Um, and the music business was booming at the time. And then you know, by, as fate would have it, mm-hmm. you know, the internet comes along. People are downloading stuff for free. That evil. Why internet. would you Why would you pay for it? Amazon comes along, and you can have pretty much anything that's available delivered to your door within two days for less money than you can get it at the record store. Yeah. Um, so that you know that was that was kind of a, a couple of the nails in the coffin, um, and the fact that people were just not buying they were not buying music like they were in the uh, mid '80s and '90s. When you reach that the height of the popularity with respect to ear ecstasy, mm-hmm. when was it that you knew you had a cult following? Was it by the average number of grungy hippies that followed you home, or <laughs> and were they following? It was no, it was never that bad. It was never that bad. <laughs> but it was to the point. I think it was to the point when I would go out in public, and they would know me from the store. I think that's probably when I, I first realized it was probably well before that. But I was not aware of it. Um, again, I saw the store differently than you guys saw the store, or differently than anybody that shopped there saw the store. So. My reality was different than your reality. <laughs> it always is. It always, it always is. is. That's right. As Stadler says, per- <laughs> perception is reality. Yeah. Indeed, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I mean, you kind of took us through uh, into the '90s a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of those growing pains that you experienced along the way. Um, and I mean, we can, you know, eventually. Your ecstasy, you know, shut its doors. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I, I don't. Mean, I don't. I don't mind. Know, I mean, it was. What was that process? When did you see the writing on the wall? I, um, I, you know, it's basically. Um, basically, I ended up in the hospital, and I was told you need to shut this thing down. I was. I was. Oh, man. Like I had. I had taken all the all the money that I had my available to me and put it back in the store. I just I always felt that there was no way this this thing can go down. It's just it means so much to so many people. But the store had gotten to, you know, a size where it was just financially not feasible. Um, probably if I had downsized considerably maybe 2 years before uh, we did finally downsize, it could have squeaked out, but I I didn't want to go back to being a small kind of hole in the wall store that only carried a certain sort of music because I would not want to shop there. Yeah. And if I was not passionate about it, it just it couldn't make it. It couldn't make it. I, I think a lot a lot of the employees knew there there was there was trouble. They just had no idea how bad it was. And it was just to the point where it had to close immediately, it just had to be done. Yeah. Um that was incredibly, incredibly tough. And then to go through the process of, you know, trying to liquidate everything and put it all to bed and that's you know just it takes a long time and it's just very very painful but i think most people other other than me i think most most of the staff came out fairly well they all uh 
uh, were able to go on and, and find something relatively quick to do. You know, I really felt bad about having to close it, and you know, suddenly these guys are out, are out of work. You know, mm-hmm. that's it, and you know, like I said, the staff was incredibly important to that store, and to to have to do that and have to do that to them was was really really painful. So for me, um, I didn't, I did not go see any music for at least a year. Pretty much didn't go out in public. Just like, Man. I had no idea what I'm going to do. It's like I'd mentioned earlier. I was so identified with that story to become so much of, of who I was. The story goes away, and it's like, well, <laughs> now what? Who are you? What are you going to do? Yeah, that was your identity. That was my identity. It had been, you know, it had been in my blood since well, long before I went to work in a record store. I mean, music was important to me as a kid, but it's it's what I did, you know. And I I never finished college. Just because I wanted to, I wanted to do the record store thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it did turn into a successful business for a number of years. But once it's gone, it's like, okay, now what? So I was, I was out of commission um, and without a job for maybe a year and a half before I got a call from uh, um, Stacy Owen at WFPK asking if I might want to uh, come in and try doing some radio work, mm-hmm. which I had not done before. You've got a silky smooth voice, I must yeah. say. Mm. <laughs> I have a hard time listening to it. <laughs> Seriously, when I hear it back, it's like, oh, man. That's a, that's a lot of people. I, you know, What is I'll, that? Is that a tenor two or a baritone yeah. voice right there? I have no idea what that is. Ooh. It just sounds, yeah, it just sounds, <laughs> just to me it sounds awful. <laughs> anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, he's making love to your eardrums yeah. right now. So, uh, <laughs> John is so uncomfortable right now, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> So I, I was fortunate enough to get that call from Stacy, and uh, um, came in, and uh, she let me play around with it, and you know, gave me a, a, a part-time job filling in and doing some overnight work, and eventually got a, a, a shift on Saturdays for four hours, and would fill in for folks when they were sick or took vacations, and um, eventually, uh, I guess about five years ago, not even five years ago, four years ago got a full-time shift on the mid-morning shift is what they call it. It's Monday through Friday, nine to noon. So I get to do that for three hours every day. And then, you know, the rest of the day I'm doing production work and uh, um, some online content and just really, again, lucked into this job. You know, it's like I had no idea what I was going to do and it was just kind of fell on my lap. And, uh, you know, I've always supported public radio, so it's a good place to be. I'm still involved in music. I still get to communicate with a lot of the folks that shop the store. It's just now I'm not trying to sell them something, but I'm still sharing music with them. And just know. just the fun part of the gig. It's the fun part of the gig. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So it's it's good. It's hey, good. Good L- place to be. Lou Williams, if you're ever late to work. John Timmons is your go-to. That's right. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. yeah, most people don't hear me because they have jobs. Nine to five jobs, you have no yeah. idea who I am. When I'm a late to work, <laughs> John Timmons is my I'll get playlist. you there. I'll get you there. But yeah. you can keep it rocking in the background. Yeah. And if you want to hear more from John Timmons, mm-hmm. you need to tune in, tune into his radio show mm-hmm. Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon. WFPK Louisville 91.9 on your FM dial. Or you yep. can stream us live at WFPK.org. Listen to that voice. I mean, it's so rhythmic. It's like you've done that before. Put that podcast on ice, man. 50 50 times a day, yeah. (laughs) So what was was that conversation like? So after, you know, you're coming out of this deep, dark depression, it's Mm -hmm. very painful, and then somebody calls you up, hey, 
I want to be your boss. <laughs> you know, you're you're your own boss for you know however many Damn years. It. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and no. then somebody's trying to force you to work, you know. No, I was I was very grateful because A, I was not the owner, and B, you know, I was not the boss. So it was the, that was the first time in you know twenty six years where, you know, I I'm I take responsibility for what I do, but I'm not you know I don't technically own it. I'm in I'm invested in it, mm-hmm. but I'm not the owner. I'm not the boss, and just it's good. It's nice it's to kind of gig. to hang it up, and it pays. It pays. It pays uh, what you'd expect. <laughs> it's good. No, it's, it, it pays in great memories. It pays, Seven point yeah. two million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, I, pretty, it's public radio. That's where all the money goes. I mean, I want to. I want to say they're like one of the top ranked public uh, stations or network. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put them number one on my top ten list. But nationally, they I are. Mean, yeah, it's the sta- stations known. It's got a good reputation. I'll put it that. Stacy Owen is the. Uh, Program director um, Kyle Meredith is the music director, and they are very well known and respected in the uh, in the public radio area, so non commercial radio. Yeah, so it's a good place to be, you know. I saw a glimpse of not only your record collection in the KET special, but but <laughs> that but was a big mistake. It's like you know back back when you had to worry about somebody stealing your CDs. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a now vault. it's like I've got them in my living room. It's like please, somebody break in and take all these. Yeah, <laughs> They're I taking them to a space. I think about the same thing. You know, <laughs> I, when I when I got rid of my car, we bought my wife a car, and mm-hmm. now I'm I'm driving her old automobile because you know I, I drive my dog everywhere with me. Yeah, so, I mean, right. We we cruise together. Yeah. And I just hope that one day <laughs> somebody breaks the window and steals the CDs that live in that door because people judge me. They I have to. <laughs> they have to be really man. desperate to steal a CD now. <laughs> Oh man, the scratched up Backstreet Boys. CD yeah, yeah. <laughs> really needs a new home. Yeah, so the so the record collection is it's you know while I I sold a lot of it off during the last days of the store to keep it going. I mean I still have an abundant so much stuff. You know I still like to own things. I still like to have the physical good, but it's just like anytime it comes time to move this stuff, it's like oh, I gotta get rid of this crap. Is there so that's that's the one of the things I love about physical music is like. You know that feeling you get when you open you know, open a CD up or whatever, and you read the liner notes, and and that's how you connect with with the artist. Like everything's planned. Is do you see any way for for music or video to to cross over and give that experience? Well, music music has done that with um, the resurgence of vinyl. I mean, that's you know it's a younger demographic that, that's dis- that discovered that you know having a twelve inch piece of vinyl is kind of cool. You know, you get the full artwork and sometimes mm-hmm. you get the great liner notes. And sometimes the artist actually makes a record an out a true album to where you want to listen to it, you know, one side to the next, through the whole thing. That's the only way I listen. Yeah, that's and that's that's the, the best thing about uh, about that. And that's that's one of the reasons that, you know, albums have come back, which is a great thing. Whether I don't know how long that's gonna last. I mean vinyl's gonna be around forever. There's always gonna be a physical a physical aspect of music, as well as books, you know. I mean, it may change, but you're seeing a resurgence with the vinyl, and that's mm-hmm. how record stores are staying open. I mean, they're very, they're going to be, they're going to be relatively small. They're not, I, with few exceptions, I don't think they're going to be um, the size of what Ear Ecstasy was at, at its height. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just not I'm, feasible. I'm still, I'm still friends with and still uh, communicate with a lot of the. Uh, the stores that were in the coalition of independent record stores that I was a member of, and there are some large stores. There's some that you know are the size of your ecstasy, if not bigger. That are they're doing well, you know. It's they're still scratching it out to make a living, but um, 
you know, they're still able to do it. That's mm-hmm. more more than I can say with my store. What do you What do you think about the record stores in Louisville now? You know, your Modern Cult, your Guest Room, your Astro Block. Your... It's it, it, one of the good things that happened when we closed is that there were stores that opened up, um, like mattress stores. Yep, just it, everywhere. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> they're all fronts. Yeah, but they're they're more fun than mattress stores. You know, and you go in and look at mattresses, like I'm done. In a record store, there's a <laughs> little bit. That's the one. There's a little bit more browsing to do. You know, I don't want to. I I don't want to name favorites, but um, I I think it's good that uh, that the number of independent stores we have now is a good thing. You can name favorites. Yeah. Only twelve people are going to find out. Yeah, well, that's true. and they don't have friends. So. Yeah, no, thirteen. <laughs> I'll get somebody to listen to. Ah, the Baker's uh, dozen. Yeah. Here we are, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Kyle, Kyle, you have to listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that Guest Room Records has is probably as close to what we we're doing or trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a good job. And I'm not taking away from anybody else, you know. Better Days has been around. They were they were around before before your ecstasy Ooh, was. I left them out. I felt a little bad. So, now. you know. As well you should. They're, oh. Yeah, do, doing okay. Matt Anthony's record store opened up because Matt was was uh, uh, on the staff of, of your ecstasy. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad that he was able to do that. And the other stores that are out there, that's, you know, it's great. And I'm hoping with... Uh, you know, the Black Friday Record Store Day that's coming up uh, um, next Saturday. Or is it, yeah, this Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. yeah, forget this is Thanksgiving week. Yeah, um, Record Store Day, Black Friday and rec- the Record Store Day that happens during the year as well. Those are those are huge days for record stores. I mean, they depend on that a lot. There's a lot of great, very limited edition items that come out on those days, and that's a great day. If you're going to go out and buy a record, do it on that day. That's an extra, extra special day. That's one thing I think is missing from a lot of promotions, usually a discount or this or that. But when you actually build something up as a unified yeah. event, like as yeah. an industry, yeah. I think that's a really special thing. You yeah. don't see like Coles and Sears and whoever doing <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Like, yeah. It's like blouses or something. Yeah. Well, Record, Store Day, Record Store Day came out of the uh, a couple of the coalitions that were out there. That's where the whole idea came from. Just like there was a comic book store day, mm-hmm. you know, so they kind of, kind of co-opted that and... Uh, Taking it not just uh, nationwide, but it's an international thing now, yeah, which is great. Let's just borrow it. Yeah, just borrow it. It's kind of like kind of like keep a little weird, you know. Just, just borrowed that. It, before we get into that, yeah. is would you rather be a coalition or an association? You know, what's more powerful? Because you're in a lot <laughs> I, of them. I was I was part of a coalition, so I'll, I'll go with the coalition. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If but... it makes if it makes any difference at all, strength in numbers is what it's all about. I mean that that helped that helped a lot of us survive. Um, you know, fighting the the stupidity of the industry. I mean, uh, the music industry it has not been kind to independent stores or musicians. They, they've they've or, or, or artists, or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, but they've uh, the industry is catered to the you know the chain stores, the box stores, uh, the the major marketers, and those you know those folks are not carrying music anymore. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's the independent stores that it's, are doing. It's just it. product. Move that product. Move that product. Floor. Move some units. Let's do it. Let's square, do it. Square inch of, of Can floor you space. Buy Ten million records. We need a we need a hit. You know? <laughs> Bieber. Somebody call Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> Can Bieber be on this track? Yeah. It's not working. Yeah. So you mentioned keep Louisville weird. Yeah. Uh, Stadler's a huge fan of this this campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we kind of borrowed it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, you definitely, would... definitely borrowed it. Um, Keep Austin Weird is where that idea came from. That was uh, uh, one of the co-founders of that was a, a good friend of mine who owns a record store in Austin, Texas, John Coons with Waterloo Records, one of the best record stores okay. in the country. John um, 
John is partially responsible for Keep Austin Weird. So I watched that happen. I watched that grow for a couple of years and talked to him about it because at the time, my store was doing incredibly well. Starbucks was coming to town, and I'm friends with the owners of uh, Heine Brothers. So I was worried Starbucks is coming to town, and that's going to kill Heine Brothers. Um, Rainbow Blossom uh, has been around forever, and I know those folks have been friends with them forever. And Whole Foods and uh, Wild Oats were both coming to town at the same time. And I was like, uh, for sure, Rainbow Blossom's going to go down when these guys come. So we got to do something about this. Um, Lynn's Paradise Cafe was a re- one of the original members of Keep Louisville Weird. We had like eight original members. Carmichael's Bookstore uh, was worried about their store um, or stores because uh, rumor had it Borders was coming to town. Borders, you know, big chain. They're going mm-hmm. to kill them. So I thought now's a good time to do this. So I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do. But I printed up a billboard for Bardstown Road. I printed up some shirts and had some bumper stickers made. I uh, just said, keep a little weird. I did not tell the staff at the store at Air Ecstasy <laughs> where we carried it, what it was about. I didn't tell anybody um, except the, the woman who was handling my advertising. And we just put it up. It's like, okay, we're going to see what happens with this. And had I planned on it becoming anything other than a billboard, it wouldn't have happened. But um, it just it just... It got people's curiosity going on, going. A lot of people were not, didn't understand the weird, you know. Louisville's not weird, <laughs> you know. It's You're got, not looking it's, in the right place. It's, Some it's, yeah, that's another podcast. <laughs> um, but the whole point behind it was you want to keep the independent flavor of what's going on here. Um, what makes Louisville unique is what makes this such a great place to be. It kind of took on a life of its own and... After a couple of years of having the same board meeting with the same, you know, 10 people, um, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. Every time we had a board meeting, it's like, yeah, this is, let's do this, let's do this. Next month, it was the same thing. Let's do this, let's do that. Nothing was happening. So we finally got a director in there to, uh, to work with it. And we, we formed a, uh, a business alliance, a Louisville Independent Business Alliance. Started off mm. with, you know, maybe 20 members. Uh, thanks to uh, the great director that we've had over the years, um, the uh, the group is now over. I think it's about a thousand local wow, independent nice. businesses. Yeah, yeah. It's all about supporting the local independent businesses. And of all the businesses I was worried about going out of business, um, <laughs> I am the only one that did. Oh. Everybody else is still. Everybody else is still around. John was worried about everybody else. My business was fine. There was no. There was no competition. Then, oh look, here comes the internet. Oh. <laughs> Darn it! Here, here comes Amazon. Okay, I'm doomed. And in the beginning, where you're like, we can fight this. We can totally fight this. No, it was just like, oh God, we got to do something. We got It was, you know, it was kind of like panic mode. <laughs> like the tsunami. You see the tsunami coming. You're like, yeah. What's the point in running yeah. right now? Get the surfboard out. Let's ride this thing out. <laughs> yeah. Turn on some music, cause but, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, the ironic thing is, that my my store is the one that went <laughs> adios. Man. Man. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it's a great thing, you know. And there again, you know, it's it's something that was not really planned. It was just like, okay, this is kind of a cool idea. Let's see what happens. And it just uh, it took on a life of its own. Um, and if I'd, honestly, if I'd planned for it to be something other than that, it wouldn't have happened. It was just, it, you know. It just screwed naturally. It, it, that's the way it happened, you know. Um, it's kind of like the Earx to see bumper sticker. I, I thought bumper stickers were the stupidest thing. <laughs> it's like, why would you put anything on your car, period? 
Um, and I got I got talked into you know, doing bumper stickers just because sales guy was trying to you know come in and sell me pens with you know ear ecstasy on it or magnets or <laughs> calendars with ear ecstasy. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> so what's <laughs> the che- and he Bruh. he was per- he was persistent. So what's the cheapest thing you got? Oh, bumper stickers. Okay, so let's do that. <laughs> that's, so, that's how all marketing decisions are made. I would be willing to bet. That you could find a couple of laptops in this office, guaranteed to see bumper stickers slapped across. Awesome! The back. Well, give those folks a raise. Give those folks a raise. Like I they judge. need a new computer, obviously. <laughs> 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 Seven years, come on, man. You need a new sticker and a new computer, but no, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, and that was another, you know, that was the best marketing idea that I didn't have. You know, it was just like, okay, whatever, bumper sticker, stupid. I mean, <laughs> it worked. I usually, you know, kind of judge people with bumper stickers, but if they have the air ecstasy, I'm like, eh. Right. They're still, probably okay. Yeah. I still, to this day, I mean, it was to the point where when I first started seeing them on cars, it's like I wanted to leave a note on their windshield. It's like, thank you so much for putting – I still <laughs> – I still now, now, you know, seven years later when I – it's like you need a new car, by the way. But thank that no sticker. Way. That sticker still looks pretty good. It's always know? on a beater. Yeah, <laughs> I, st- I still see. I, I saw one the other day. It was like a, a good shape on a good car. It's like where did that come from? But um, yeah, I'm still really grateful and thankful when I see those stickers. It's just like I, I can't believe you would put that on your car. I've got one on mine now too. But it's <laughs> it's a custom one. I had to cut up a couple to make it look a little bit different. But. Um, so I need a shirt. That's pretty cool. I need, need a uh, bumper need... sticker. Okay. What else? What else? I got, what else? I got, I got you covered. We got some swag. Talk to uh, talk to Carter. Carter's got some extra ear ecstasy bumper oh, stickers. Oh, okay. That's our number we one. When we were going, when we were going out, people were were taking you know stacks of stickers, which is cool. So like, what else are you gonna do? You're going out of business, so why not? Yeah, might as well steal from the guy, yeah. break some break <laughs> yeah, some windows, <laughs> set some stuff on fire. Let's jump on a doesn't car. matter. Maybe if you can take insurance doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. So, so you got the the Air XC bumper stickers. There's also the the Keep Louisville Weird bumper sticker stickers. There might be some uh, Louisville Independent Business Association. There are, yeah. And uh, you what know, what yeah. gives you the best feeling when you see it out there, like a shop Louisville or shop shop local or Keep Louisville Weird? What, I mean, what's it, that that whole thing was going to happen anyway? I was just I was I was privy enough to to watch what was going on in Austin with that, and I, I it's kind of like with the store. It was just at the right place at the right time. You know, but the the whole buy local thing was was going to happen with or without me starting mm-hmm. anything like that. I didn't really start anything. I just kind of borrowed something and put it out there. Yeah, but it and worked. people caught it. And yeah, I mean, you yeah. were the catalyst to allowing a lot of these, you know, trends. You 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 think of them as something that would have would have come through regardless. Yeah. But that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You did it. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something to be very proud of uh, throughout the course of 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 all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. you've had. And, and I don't know if I'm using the right word here, but an indelible footprint on the history of Louisville and the growth of the local economy here. And I think that's something to be very proud of. Well, thank you very much. You thank you. It. I mean, I still don't see it that way. I'll, oh, take, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take well, it. you're not very good at taking compliments, John. I'm you sorry. You noticed that. You were so good. I'm did you sorry. Re- did you read that on the Internet or did you figure that out? on? No, I typed it into Wikipedia <laughs> just now. Check good, it. good. It's, it go refresh the page in case you were already on Go ahead that. and add anything you want to that page. <laughs> <laughs> People feel free to do that. I haven't even looked at it in a while. Like I told you before, somebody was telling me that I was wrong about locations in my store <laughs> or dates, dates they were there it's like dude i was i i, I can tell you i, I was there keyboard warriors <laughs> yeah. yeah but you, you seem to you know you don't give yourself credit 
you know, you seem to be selfless because you're always worried about these other independent businesses, you know, when nobody was worried about yours. I mean, probably because you seemed like you had it all under control and business yeah. was booming. But you also have a knack for seeing, like, just like in music trend spotting and, and seeing what's going to be- become popular or at least what you like, you have this knack for seeing what's working elsewhere and then borrowing. Emulation, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's a, it's a form of flattery. So what's coming up next? You know, what's going <laughs> to pop, really? You tell you, us. That's yeah. What yeah. Where do we need to put our money at? <laughs> Um, you would not want to take my advice on anything. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. Now I have no idea what the next big thing is. You know, I'm just uh, if if I if I see something coming, I'll let you know. Okay, I'm just gonna yeah. fly a drone above yeah. you. What's John doing? Cassette tape. What I need to do now is find something that will make money for me. You know, oh. it's like um, it doesn't work like that. It, it hasn't worked for me like that. <laughs> laser discs. ever. Laser. Yeah, laser. Yeah. <laughs> I have a collection at home. Let's <laughs> I still have I still have eight tracks. I get, oh, yeah, well, I guarantee hey man, it. I get it. I, I got mean, a truck ca- that plays eight tracks. Cassettes, cassettes are making a comeback. I'm telling you. Oh, Just they a, are. It's a matter of time before the eight tracks and the laser discs come back. Well, I think Gubby Records <laughs> puts out a cassette uh, yeah? collection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sweet. It's pretty, yeah. pretty killer. Yeah. Okay, I would not bet on the eight tracks and the laser discs, but I still have mine. Hey man, just in case, just in case. It's tough to get rid of all this stuff. <laughs> it's stuff. It's stuff, and it you know it's. You know, it's a, it's a movie or it's music or a book. I just can't get rid of it. Yeah. Well, you yeah. don't want to forget it. You know. Mm-hmm. No. And having that, having <laughs> not that, that I've played, not that I played a laser disc in twenty years. <laughs> but you just spit so much information on it. Just in case yeah. I want to, though, it's there. You know. No, I've got all of Terminator Two on this one <laughs> disc. That's thirteen inches. I've, I've got Braveheart on three cassettes. It's just so convenient. <laughs> Gosh, this is glorious. I have I have a Star Wars uh, box with the first two Star. Wars in it, and I've never seen Star Wars. Oh my God! <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces on 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 TV, but I have never watched a Star Wars movie from start to finish. So you have Star Wars on Laserdisc? I have on Laserdisc, <laughs> which is probably worth some money. Is it still sealed? No, it's not sealed. Oh, oh big mistake! I could John. get a I could get a shrink wrap machine and shrink that oh, baby yeah. up, but people would know. Those just, nerds would know. Just the fact that I have not seen Star Wars should end this right now. Uh, yeah. All right, we're out. Let's it's, like, it's like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the this guy? Why are we talking to this guy? He's not seen Star Wars. All right, what are you gonna go Word. home and listen to after this? Uh, nothing. I don't like music. Okay, I could I could see that coming. Actually, actually hate music. <laughs> um, what I'm listening to right now. In John, the car. John is so happy because the podcast is wrapping up. Right. Don't even listen to I don't even listen to podcasts. You know? <laughs> I don't do anything. I listen to I, I'll listen to WFPK seriously. I'll listen to that. Okay. Or I'll listen to Why w, not w, WFPL. I'll okay, listen there. to that if I need a little bit of news. Or if I want to calm down from the news, W-U-O-L, our classical station. Brand Ambassador Extraordinaire. 90.5. Ooh, it snuck out there, that radio <laughs> voice. Smooth radio voice. Yeah, going, going commercial. Yes. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Close it thanks down. guys. It You've was fun. been listening to the Straight from the Bull podcast from El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, where we target people, not pixels.